You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Student Pastor Josh Barnett. Welcome to part three of our James study. Uh, I'm going to be picking up where Paul left off last week. Uh, So if you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 1. My assignment tonight is to cover verses 13 through 18, um, but I'm going to start with verse 12 because verse 12 is kind of a a hinge verse that connects what Paul talked about last week to what I'm going to be talking about this week. So let's start in verse 12, and we're going to read through verse 18, and then we will discuss it together. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. So good. Love that last. uh, 17 and 18 are just so incredible. So in these verses, James is actually continuing to talk talk about trials here. He's not really changing the subject, but what James wants to make clear of is that, that God is not the author of trials. He's not the author of the temptations that come our way. Because he says clearly in in verse 13 that God will never tempt us. God will never tempt us. He can, now, God can use trials and temptations to test us, but he doesn't use them to, he doesn't use things to tempt us. He doesn't facilitate the temptation. He's not going to try, God's not going to try and seduce you to do evil. It's against his very nature. He's not going to draw us into the very thing that he's trying to keep us from. It, it, trials and temptation are caused by sin. They're, they're caused because we live in a broken, fallen world that God is currently in the process of redeeming. But until that redemption completely takes place, there are still going to be trials and there are still going to be temptations. So what he's doing is he's making sure that we don't turn and blame God when they come. He's showing us that trials and temptations are going to come because of the sin in the world. Whether that sin be my own or the sin of other people, that is many times why trials and temptations, or while trials come is because of my sin, I cause trials for myself, or the sin of other people, or we live in a broken world, and so that is why trials come, but it's not God who sends them. And he's, he's really making it clear, and he made this clear, Paul talked about this last week, but he really made this clear, that just, become, just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you're no longer going to face trials. And just because you become a Christian doesn't mean that you're no longer not going to be tempted by anything. It's like all of a sudden you get saved and temptation just flies away. Like, no. Now, I would say, if anything, it probably increases because the devil wasn't worried about you before, but now he's got a target on you because now you are a threat to him. <laughs> so it's not that they're going to go away. But we've, we've got to understand, and I love, you know, in verse 12, but our motive in resisting temptation has got to be loving God. The the, the only thing that can overcome the passion of sinful temptation is the passion of loving God. Like a passion to love and honor him. 
It's, it's not, it's not going to come from like our own willpower. Or from our, it's his grace that we can overcome temptation. But it's got to be this passion that comes from him. The passion of sinful temptation can only be overcome by a greater passion. That passion is loving God. You know, there are, there are outward things that can keep us from sin, right? There's outward motivations that can keep us from sin. Like the police are going to keep me from doing certain things. Like I don't want to go to prison. I don't want to go to jail. Like the fear of authority can keep me from doing certain things. The fear of being killed can keep me from doing certain things. You know, uh, with children, like the fear of spanking, you know, keeps them from doing certain things. I've got some little ones right now. It, you know, that fear, the, the fear of timeout or, you know, the, the fear of removable, re, uh, removal of privileges, right, can, can be a great motivation to keep somebody from doing something wrong. You know, the fear of embar- embarrassment can keep you from doing something wrong. Like the fear of the shame or that everybody's going to know what you did or, you know, facing people like after, if you blow it and then people knowing, like that's, that's a fear that can, you know, keep you. Yeah, you know, I, it's, some people just, you don't want to spend the money. Like, you know, some sin costs money a lot of times. I don't, you know, I don't want to spend the money. It can cost a whole lot. So there, there are several outward motivations, right, that can keep me from sinning, can keep us from sinning. But we've got to understand that none of these things are enough to keep us from falling into temptation. Outward motivation only works for so long. It has to come from an inward transformation. It's only inward transformation that gives us the power to overcome sin. It's only inward transformation that gives us the power to overcome temptation. Amen. That was a good point, Josh. Thank you for that. Okay. (laughs) The The only way that we can truly walk in freedom is by loving God. Loving God is the key way that we overcome temptation and we love him because he first loved us like when the gospel the good news about jesus like when the good news about his kindness and goodness like truly hit your heart there begins to be a change you get born again you're you you really begin to no longer be attracted to the things that you used to be attracted to and you when you develop that relationship with him when you cultivate a relationship with him you're drawn to the things of him and not evil things that's the way that we overcome temptation it and so i want to i want to give you this tonight don't be so focused on saying no to sin. Be focused on saying yes to Jesus. Your yes to Jesus will make all your no's for you. Your yes to Jesus will make all the no's. And out, it's human nature, it's our hearts. Our hearts respond way better to yes than it does to a no. And so, like, don't make this a legalistic thing. Like, say yes to Jesus. You can make all the rules in the world that you want, but you know, like, especially like parents, like you tell them not to do it, that makes them want to do it, right? And so it's not the no that's going to cause us to be obedient, it's the yes to Jesus. I love uh, Colossians chapter 2, the last verse, verse 23, in the first couple verses of chapter 3, Paul says, these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Next verse, he gives us the key. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. That's how you overcome temptation. You think about things of the heaven. Think on these things. Think about Jesus. Pursue your relationship with him. You go to verse 13, and so you're like, we can't, we can't say that God is is tempting us. We, we, we've got to understand that God is incapable of evil. You could say that, that evil, that sin, is the very opposite of God. It's like anything that is lacking God. 
It says that, that he doesn't tempteth any man, and neither is he tempted. He's not tempted to do evil. It's completely against his nature. Now, obviously, like, you know, I, I think many times when temptation does come, God uses it as a, as a test because then he sees, are they going to pass the test? Are they going to pass the character test? Like when nobody else is looking, will they overcome this temptation? And if they do, then I'll promote them into more. But under, we, got, we can't not put the blame on him. He does not facilitate that temptation. He will ask us to lay evil, thing, evil things down, but James wants us to clearly understand that God does not give us the evil that he calls us to lay down, that he calls us to get rid of. So, you, we've got to understand that, that God doesn't cause evil to happen, but he actually will sovereignly use it to fulfill his plan. Like, so, like we all believe that the cross was the plan of God right? Calvary was the plan of God. But what we also have to believe is that it was 100% facilitated by the enemy. It was 100, it said, for God so loved the world that he gave, not for God so hated the world that he murdered his son. It said, for God so loved the world that he gave. And so God used Satan like a pawn in his game, like Satan thought he had won, and God switched it and said, ha, gotcha, sucker, right? He, Calvary was God's plan, but he allowed it to be 100% facilitated by the enemy. Now, that's a tough tension, but I think it's one that's crucial for every Christian to come to terms with, right? So Romans 8, 28, God causes all things, he causes everything to work for the good of those who love him. He causes all things, so even the bad things, even the trials, even the temptations, even the things that we have done wrong, the, the things in the world, like he causes those things to work out for his glory he didn't cause them, but he will, tw he will turn them and use them for our good and his glory. So, and I think sometimes, you know, the thought of, like, don't blame God for our temptation. Sometimes we're like, yeah, duh, like, I get that. Like, thanks, James, I, I appreciate that. But the reason James says that is because we all have this thing in us that does that. Like, you see it in the very first sin, right? Adam and Eve in the garden when they fell. So when God comes and, like, calls them out, it's like, Adam, like, what, man, what happened? And he's like, well, that woman that you put here, Right? So it wasn't even really blaming Eve. He's like, you gave her to me. Like, this is your, your fault. Right? That's what Adam does. He points the blame back at God. And then he goes to Eve, and he's like, what have you done? And she's like, well, the serpent that you created. Right? And so it's like they, we, this thing in our hearts turns it towards God. And, and, and I think maybe even sometimes on a subconscious level, we can believe, like, God put this temptation in front of me. Like, I'm evil or sinful or tempted because God made me this way. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. And, you know, we live in, the culture we live in, like, such, like, we make such an idol about being a victim, like, right? And that leaven kind of seeps into our own thinking. We're like a victim, and so, like, we try to put the blame on everything else. Like, it's everybody's fault but mine. Like, God, if I had just been born in a different family, I wouldn't be this way. Or if I had just been born in a different part of the world, or if I had just been, whatever, like, God, like, I, you made me this way. <laughs> it's so easy to blame others and make excuses for our evil thoughts and wrong actions. It's somebody else's fault. I couldn't help it. it everybody's doing it it's just one mistake nobody's perfect the devil made me do it i was pressured into do it i didn't know it was wrong or the one we're talking about god is tempting me a person who makes excuses is trying to shift the blame off themselves and onto something or someone else but as christians we have got to own up to our sins we've got to own up to our mistakes we've got to come into a place where we're like and james goes into this later on but we've got to be vulnerable with people. Confess your sins one to another. 
We've got to be, we have, a, have to have an open and honest, like, community around us that we can confess our sins to each other so that we can help each other, so that we can pull each other. Like, we need accountability in our lives. Like, we can't be hypocrites. We, like, we, we can't be two-faced. And, you know, the reason we don't is because we think people will, re- will reject us, right? That's shame. That's a lie of shame, like, that people will leave us or they will mock us or they will ridicule us. And so the shame of what we've done actually keeps us from pulling the darkness into the light. But we have to. It's necessary because the darkness will destroy us. Because James says it only brings death. It will bring forth death. And this shame cycle actually keeps you in your sin. Right? So <laughs> we all need to over, overcome our sin, but that shame keeps us from bringing our sin into the light. And so, you know, you, you sin and you feel guilty, and you feel shameful, and we're, we're afraid to tell other people because we're afraid that they'll reject us, and so, you know, we're feeling guilty and shameful by ourselves, and we view ourselves as broken. We view ourselves as less valuable, and so what does the shame do? It sends us right b- back into that sin. We go right back into the very thing that caused the sin in the first, and it's just this nasty cycle of darkness that James says it's going to give birth to death. It's going to give birth to death, so it's so key that we pull this into the light. And, you know, we as believers, when, when, our, when our brothers and sisters come and confess something to us, like, we've got to have grace for them. You know, we've, we've got to help each other, like, get out. Like, we've got to be open and honest with each other and, and help each other out of the nasty darkness and bring them into the light. Uh, I love this quote. I, I think it's probably Leonard Gravenhill, I think, uh, maybe. I don't know. Uh, but it, it says, no man has ever told me anything that scared me. But oh, how afraid I am of the secrets men keep. No man has ever told me anything that scared me, but oh, how afraid I am of the secrets that men keep. Because it's that darkness that will give birth to death in your life. It's that darkness that will, if, if you keep going after it, it will eat you up and you've got to have people around you. So we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to tell the whole truth. Like, don't sugarcoat it. Like, we have to bring these things out. We've got to get real. We've got to take the mask off. We must accept responsibilities for our actions, confess them, and ask for forgiveness. And you'll be surprised at how much freedom that brings. Like when you don't, I, I tell our young people this all the time, like you want to be really free? Don't have any secrets. That's freedom, right? <laughs> like my wife can take my phone anytime she wants to. Like here, like she can have it. She, there's no secrets here. There's no secrets in our marriage. And so I'm, I'm free, man. I'm completely free because I don't have secrets. And I've got men in my life, like, uh, two of them are uh, Jason, we were making fun of him earlier, but Jason and, and Brandon, two men in my life that I've given permission to, like that they can, they can call me out anytime they want to. Like they've got permission to call me out and I have permission to call them out. Like we've got permission, iron sharpens iron. Better are wounds from a friend than kisses from an enemy. If you're only surrounded by people that kiss you, you may be surrounded by enemies. You need people that will cut you, Right? You need people that will, like, you know, if you've ever gotten, like, something that had to be lanced, like, at the doctor, like, that was for your good. It hurt, but it kept you alive, (laughs) right? And so you've got to have friends that are willing to do those things to us. We've got to be vulnerable. We've got to help each other. We have to have grace for each other. We have to help each other overcome our dysfunction. And James is telling us in these verses, like, listen, like, don't be misled. Like, it's not God's fault. It's yours, (laughs) right it's crazy when things are going really well like we 
we think we're awesome and like things are going good but then when things go bad like we want to turn it on god real quick we want to blame it on like god is tempting me he's testing me he's causing these things to happen to me no it's it's james is saying it's the sin in you or it's or it's sin in the world it's this, it's somebody sinning against you it's the brokenness of the world it's temptation from the enemy it's not god that's doing it you know for example you know the pharisees they came to they they came to jesus and they were they said that he or it's when he he cast a demon out of a boy they came and said you know he was able to do that by the power of the devil and he looks at him and says a house divided against itself won't stand and so jesus he came to do a lot of things but a couple things he came to show us the father the heart of the father john 14 9 where philip says jesus when are you going to show us the father and he said philip i've been with you all this time if you've seen me you've seen the father and then he, and then jesus came to destroy the works of the devil first john 3 8 so you know it's it wasn't like jesus against the father like the father didn't send a storm for jesus to calm that's that's that doesn't make sense they're they're not going against each other like god didn't cause somebody to be sick so that jesus could heal them he didn't ca just like he didn't cast out demons by the power of satan all of these things that jesus did was showing us that god is setting things right that he's redeeming things not causing evil to happen he's using goodness and holiness to overcome evil he's using power and purity to set things right the true origin of evil is in us, in our hearts. It's our evil desires. James says it's your own lust that entices you, that draws you away to sin. Like It's like fish being drawn by a lure, like being drawn by a bait. Like It's our own evil desires that are being drawn towards that thing. It's crazy, but a lot of times it's not even Satan. I think we give Satan too much credit. Like We give him a lot of credit. He's weak. He's weak. He doesn't have authority anymore. Jesus took the authority. For, he doesn't have authority. Like, he walks around like a roaring lion, but he doesn't have teeth. Like, he, like he can only devour people who, like, who turn themselves over to him. I think we give him way too much credit. James says here that it's our own evil desires. He's telling, James is really, he's like telling us to pay attention. Like, pay attention because there's something in you that wants to kill you. <laughs> There's something in you, like you don't let it take root, you don't let it impregnate you because you will give birth to death. And I, I you know, even with temptation, I, in, when Satan tempts us, I think one of the big temptations or the, one, the, the thing that many times that convinces us to give in to temptation is, is what Satan did with Eve. He, he made her believe that God was like holding out on her, right? That there was, you know, there's more that God's not giving you. He didn't want you to eat that because you'll be like him. They were already like him. They were created in his image. And he deceived her to think that there was more. That some, like, the, you know, we, we get in this, the, we kind of fall into this trap where we think something good will come from sin. Or that, that somehow this sin will bring more into my life. It will bring more pleasure or more whatever. You know, people say, well, you know, God put the tree in the garden, didn't he? Yeah, he put it there, but he didn't put it there to tempt, to tempt them. He put it there to give them a choice. He put it there to give them free will. Like, he didn't want us to be mindless robots. He wanted to give us a choice that we could choose to love him. And God is love. And so he gets to define what love is. And he defines love as choice, not forced. 
And so that's why he put the garden there to give them the choice. It was Satan that tempted Eve. Satan tempted Eve. And you could say that, you know, I'm with Eve. Like, Eve, why are you even close to the tree? Eve got close to the tree and, and, and then gave, gave way for Satan to be able to tempt her. Satan used the tree as a temptation point, just like he uses a lot of God's creations to tempt us. You know, many things that God, everything God created is good and holy and meant to, and meant to cause us to give him glory, but it's us who twist and pervert his creation. Right? We twist and pervert his creation, and that makes it sin. Like, God's the design. The devil doesn't create anything. God is the creator. He is the designer. All the devil can do is twist and pervert things. All we, we twist and pervert things and make it sin, but God is a creator. The devil's not a creator. God is the designer of life, and he designed it to work a certain way. He's the creator. He's the designer. He designed it to work a certain way, and life does not go well when we go against design. He set up certain boundaries to, to give us life, but he also set it up to where we could choose death because he wasn't going to force us into anything. But there's, there's lots of good things that get twisted, right? Food. It, food is awesome. I like to eat, right? But food, gluttony is a sin. Food can be twisted, and, right? I had McDonald's once today. It's probably not good, and it's really good, but it's probably not good that I go get some more tonight. I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> Chick-fil-A is good, but I probably shouldn't eat it twice today, right? It's just, you know, sex is good. It's a gift from God. But it's meant to be in the confines of marriage. And you think you take the boundaries off of sex and you see what's happened to our culture. It's, it brings death. Like money, money's good. Money's awesome. It's a tool that we can use to build the kingdom. But it also can be the root of all evil. The love of money can be the root of all evil. So these are all good things, all godly things, all holy things. But they can all be used for sin. They can all be abused. They can all lead us to death. You know, I think, I think temptation is, is a proof that we are actually free from sin. Because temptation is not sin. Temptation is we have the option to sin. And so when you're tempted, understand, you have the ability to say no. It's like you don't, you don't have to sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. There's always a way out. You can always say no. Romans 6, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are now slaves to righteousness. We no longer have to give in to our sin nature. And we can be free from sin, like really free. Like freedom is not I messed up now and then I do really good for three months and mess up again. That's not freedom. You can be free from sin. Like God did not create us to sin. And if we believe that we're not going to be free until we die and go to heaven, maybe death is our savior. But Jesus came to save us from our sins. Like, we don't, we don't have to sin. We don't have to sin. And listen, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect, but that's the goal. 
Jesus told his disciples, be perfect as my heavenly father is perfect. And listen, if you're in relationship with him, if you're abiding in him, that's not a heavy weight. That's freedom. And if you actually truly understand grace, man, the goodness of God, like the grace of God, like how, like we'll get into more of it in a second, but like that makes me not want to sin. That makes me want to run to him every time. You are free. There is not some necessity inside of you to sin. (laughs) And I think by claiming that, we're blaming God like he designed us to sin. And he didn't design us to sin. Jesus came to restore all that Adam forfeited. Jesus, it's, sometimes it's weird we like identify more with Adam than we do with Jesus. So like what has more power, the sin of Adam or the cross of Christ? <laughs> I, I do want to say this too. Temptation's not a sin. Many times that, like, people have come to me and they feel dirty because they, you know, they, they want to do this or they want to do this or they want to do this. But the temptation itself is not a sin. It's only when we begin to entertain that thought is that it becomes sin. Is that w- that's when we disobey and we sin. But James shows us it's our own lust that entices us. It's our own want for more. It's the evil thing lurking in us. It's our pride. It's letting our eyes wander or our minds wander. We... 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we got to take that thing captive. You take that thought captive and you make it obedient to Christ. And if you don't, we, you will sin. And if there's not repentance from sin, then one sin will never be enough. It'll never be enough. It will leave you empty. It will leave a void that we will try to fill. We'll try to get a belly full. And so we'll sin again and again and again and again until it kills everything around us and eventually us. I think, like, think about that. He said sin gives birth to death that's like a really gruesome analogy like it's kind of gross like you think about a woman giving birth like giving birth to death giving birth to a stillborn is almost what james is saying there and i think that's how we feel about sin like my wife is is uh eight months pregnant right now about to have number four rock and roll gonna start our own basketball team for all (laughs) our own worship band something barnets are taking over but she's uh She's eight months pregnant, and there is this joy, there's this excitement, there's this anticipation of a what's about to come, about this life that we're about to make. Like, if you, if you have kids, if you've ever been in the room when you've had a kid, it's like the most amazing thing ever. Like, it's incredible. It's like a, like a rush of emotions like you've never experienced. Like, it's, it's, it's so intense. It's so awesome. I just cry like a baby every time. Like, the baby's crying, I'm crying. It's just, you know, Sarah's crying. It's just a mess. It's like it's it's exciting and and that's that's almost what james is saying here is like there's this anticipation that sin is going to bring this pleasure that it's going to bring this awesome amazing incredible thing but when it actually comes about it's like you're now you're holding your dead creation now you're holding that's that's what he's saying is that's what sin is like and that's and if you've ever like lived a lifestyle of sin and you've expected that pleasure or whatever and then you get to this place where it's like it's just this heavy, like depressing, defeated slavery is what it is. And it's just like, oh, like I, I, it's death. That's what James is describing. It's death. And Paul gives us the key in, in 2 Timothy 2.22, one of my favorite verses. And it's easy to remember because it's 2 Timothy 2.22. So remember the 2.22 rule. 
The New Living Translation says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. The NIV would say, flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness along with those who call upon God with a pure heart. So there's three keys there. You flee. You got to run away. Run away from anything that stirs up youthful lust. That lust that that James is talking about, run away, whatever, whatever it is, run away from it, he's saying. Run, if it, is it your phone? Like, run away from it. Break it. It's not worth it. Is it your TV? Is it that friend who's a bad influence on you? Like, whatever it is, he's saying, get away from it. But you don't stop there. You have to pursue righteousness. You have to pursue Jesus. Like, you, you can't not do away with something without replacing it with something. So you have to flee, you have to run away from youthful lust, and you have to run towards Jesus. This thing I was saying, like you, it's not just your no, it's your yes to Jesus. And so I'm pursuing a right relationship with him. It doesn't mean pursuing, it doesn't mean to pursue obeying the law. It doesn't mean to pursue obeying some moral code. It means pursue right relationship with God. It means cultivate that relationship. John 15, abide in me abide in me and he says if you love me you'll obey me what's the key to obeying his commandments abiding in him abiding in him that relationship with him and then he doesn't stop there he doesn't say just run away from it and run towards god he says run towards god along with those who call upon god with a pure heart back to being vulnerable with people we've got to run towards god with people who love god We were not created to live in isolation. We were created to live in community. We were created to live in relationship with the rest of the church. We are a part of a body. And we have to go with people. You've got to have friends that you're pursuing the Lord with, that that are also trying to do what he's called them to do. Also, ones who are trying to, I like how it says that, along with those who call upon God with a pure heart. So run with those who are also trying to pursue purity. You know, there's some things, it's interesting. There's some things that you can only get from God in a secret place, and there's some things that you can only get from God in a corporate setting. Because Jesus said when you pray, you go in your door and you shut it. And it's just you and him in secret. And he says you seek after him in the private place and he'll honor you in the public place. But then he says where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am among them. And then he says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. There are certain things that are only unlocked when you're with those who call upon God with a pure heart. And so it's both. So flee, pursue, do community. Good point, Josh. <laughs> All right, and then the, the last couple verses. Verses uh, 17 and 18. I want to read these again. These are so good. I love the Bible. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven. Most translations say, uh, come down from the Father of lights. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. His true word is Jesus. He is the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He is the word. Like the true word, the Bible is awesome, but James is not sitting there talking about the Bible because guess what? The Bible wasn't a thing yet. He's given us his true word, 
and out of all creation we have become his prized possession. I love that. You know, God doesn't change like a shifting shadow. I want you to know tonight that God never changes the way that he feels about you. He never changes the way that he feels about you. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he feels the same about you all the time. Yes, we blow it. Yes, we give into temptation, but he's still your father. He's still your father. You might have given into temptation. We all give into temptation from time to time, but no matter what we do or don't do, you're saved. We're saved. You're his. And nothing you can do can separate you from the love of God. He loves you 100% all the time. All the time. All the time. All the time. And in his grace, he comes in those places and he says, turn that over to me. I will help you. Right? Grace, isn't, grace is not him looking over our sin or looking the other way. Grace is him getting down in the mud with you and saying, I've got more for you. You're my prized possession. You're my favorite. It's the goodness of God that leadeth men into repentance. I do too. It's my favorite. Deanne said, that's a, she loves that scripture. That's my favorite. Romans 2, 4. Isn't it the goodness of God the, or the kindness of God that leadeth men into repentance? He's a good father who gives good gifts to his children. Every, I love that every good gift comes from the Father of lights. Every good gift comes from above. Don't take the good gifts for granted. You woke up this morning. Man, what a gift. Life is a gift. I'm just looking at all this stuff with Kobe this week. Kobe Bryant. Even if you're not a fan of basketball, you know who Kobe Bryant is, man. Life is a gift. Every day we have is a gift. Every breath we take is a good gift. Fa I love family. Family's a gift. Don't take your strength, your health. Don't take gifts for granted. Good gifts. And I love that it says he chose to give birth to us. Even when we give birth to sin, he chose to give birth to us. Romans 5, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. When I was an enemy of God, he sent his son for me to, re to rescue me. He's the father of lights. The father, I love, that's one of my favorite, sorry, that's one of my favorite names of God. Father of lights, he's the creator of the sun and the stars. But I love that if you go to, uh, if you go to John chapter 1, and we're not going to go there for sake of time, but John chapter 1 is the, what I was quoting a while ago, in the beginning was the word, and the word is with God. Well, then he, he goes on to say in like, in, in his life, the life of Jesus was the light of all men and his light shined forth in the darkness and the darkness comprehended it not john the baptist came to bear witness about the light the true light jesus lighteth every man that cometh into the world the true light lights every man that comes into the into the world and he gave them power to become sons of god he is the father of lights he is the father of Jesus, the true light, and we have the light inside of us. He is the father of us. He's the father of us. We weren't created to sin. We were created to redeem. We weren't created to live in darkness. We were created to shine his light, to shine his light. He's the father of lights. He's a star breather. Listen, there's a song that I don't let my kids sing. It's not a little light. Like this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. It's not little. 
My, when my sons sing that, or they want to, there's like a little YouTube, like, it was like kid worship songs or whatever. We skipped that one. Sorry, sorry kids, it's bad theology. The Holy Ghost ain't a little light. <laughs> the Holy Ghost lives inside of you. He's a big light. Like he's, <laughs> he's not, a, he's, the crea- he's the creator of the sun. He's a star breather. And the devil can't him out. The devil can't blow the Holy Ghost out. The devil can't blow the light out. <laughs> and listen, he tries, man. You know what? He comes and he tries to blow it out with trials, and he tries to blow it out with testing, and he tries to blow it out with temptation. Make him regret it when he does. You know, how, you know one of the reasons that forest fires get out of control? Windy conditions. Let him blow on it. Let him blow on it and see how hot you can burn. Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. Because God is about to turn it into something amazing. He's about to turn it into something amazing. I love the end of it. We are, we are his prized possession. King James says we are the first fruits of all creation. What does that mean? Basically, we're his favorite. Jesus was the first fruits of Christians, and we're the first fruits of creation. We are his favorite. He only gives good gifts to us. And if I could just wrap all these verses into one sentence tonight as I end. Man, right on time, 7.59. Look, look at that. That's, that's hard. That's hard for me. If I could wrap all these into one, these verses are James shouting at us, God is good, and he is for you. Don't blame him for things that are not his fault. Amen. Y'all stand with me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you have made us new creations, that the old has passed away and the new has come. Lord, that it no longer is us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us, that we are redeemed people, that we are a holy priesthood, that we are a chosen generation. Lord, right now, I just ask that you would just reveal to anyone right now struggling with their identity, struggling with maybe mistakes they've made in the past, I just ask right now that you would show them, show them the way that you see them that you see them as righteous, you see them as holy, you see them as pure and blameless, not because of anything that we did, but because of what Jesus did. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lord, we thank you that you're the Father of lights. We thank you that you have filled us with your light. Lord, as we leave this place, I ask that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that we would shine your light into the darkness because the darkness cannot overcome it. Lord, (laughs) help us see that the answer for the world is inside of our chest. It's inside of our bodies. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord, give us boldness and courage as we leave this place to share your good news, to burn bright 
in front of all people, in front of all men, in front of all women, in front of everyone. Holy Spirit, come and fill our houses tonight. Let us sleep well tonight. Give us dreams, Lord. Protect us, God. Put your angels around us. Lord, use us. Here we are, Lord. We say use us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.